Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word, which we receive with joyful hearts this morning, is from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. Their text is short enough today that we can quite easily read through it once and then go back and take it verse by verse. So that's what we're going to do. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. We're going to go back and <clears throat> remind ourselves verse uh, 12 here. We're going to start with verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. My wife, uh, Vanessa, and I, we were in a bit of a bind this week. Uh, one of our cars stopped working last Saturday, and then halfway through this week, the second car uh, ran into some trouble, so we had to take it to the shop. So we find ourselves in a situation where we had no cars, no way to get Kaylee to school, Nowhere, no way to get around and do some of the other things that we had to do. Well, thankfully, we have very generous neighbors, the Lillos, who let us borrow one of their cars. Now, the question is, how are we going to respond to their generosity, right? There's lots of good, positive ways we, we could respond, uh, baking them a pie or uh, making sure the car is clean when we return it. There's also lots of negative ways that we could respond. Uh, returning it with an empty tank of gas, smearing chocolate ice cream all over the carpet, you know, or talking about them in the sermon, right? Some people wouldn't like that very much either. Some of these ways that, uh, that we could respond, we all know, well, that would be very detestable behavior, a very poor return for their generosity. And the sad thing is that we all know people, probably we all know people who act like this. You do a service for them, you're, you're very gracious and, and kind to them, and they respond with anger or with hatred. They start yelling at you about something and acting as though they have a right uh, to these, these things that were, were given to them. But even sadder than that is the fact that this is how we often treat God. In Philippians, Paul talks about the grace of God that was given to us in Christ Jesus. And, and in Isaiah, we heard about how much the Old Testament people waited for and longed to see that salvation, that grace of God in Christ Jesus. Yet in our text, Paul encourages us, how are we to respond to this grace that God has given to us? We should not respond with uh, despising that grace, like we heard about in our, in our gospel reading last week, and we heard about those, men, those first men who were invited to that wedding feast doing also in our gospel reading this morning. Sorry, our gospel reading last week and our gospel, gospel reading this morning. But instead, we should joyfully thank God by using, making use of that grace 
in our life. That's how God really wants us to respond to him. Yes, with thanksgiving and praise, but then also by holding on to that grace and using it in our life. Notice what Paul says in that first verse. He says, work out, work out your own salvation. Now, personally, I think that phrase, work out your salvation, I think that's a little unfortunate uh, translation from the Greek. Uh, to me, it sounds like, well, you need to save up or you need to work hard to earn your salvation. And that's really, of course, not what Paul is saying at all. Paul knows full well that the grace of God is a free gift. We saw that also in our gospel reading. Uh, God invites them all, come, come to the wedding feast. And so he invites you as well, come to that wedding feast. So Paul isn't saying you need to work hard to earn up and save so that you have salvation. But what he's saying is to work hard at, to work thoroughly. That's what the word really means, to commit and work thoroughly. And so he's saying commit to that grace of God, commit to that salvation, take that grace, rejoicing in that grace, make use of it in your life. God doesn't want us to receive his grace and then put it down in our basement where we forget about it. And Vanessa and I have lots of things in our basement that we've forgotten about. He doesn't want the grace of God to be one of those things down in our basement that we forget about and it sits down there for years uh, until we're ready to move and then we're going through it all. He wants it to be an active part of our life, to receive it and to rejoice in it. And he's going to elaborate that on that as we go through the text here. And so we move on to verse 13. For, why is it so important? Uh, because for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Road destruction can be, can be quite annoying. While we were driving the Lillo's car this Friday, we actually ran into some road construction. How many times can I mention the Lillo's in my sermon, right? We actually ran into some road construction where the, the road was so covered in orange cones. I'm not even kidding. There were so many orange cones on that road, it was really hard for me to tell where I was actually supposed to be driving. And while trying to <coughs> drive Kaylee to school, what was that, earlier this week or last week, they had some road construction out there uh, that made it delayed us a little bit as well. And road construction, of course, can be uh, annoying. It can slow us down. It can be frustrating until they're done. And then once they're done, here you have this nice new road that isn't full of potholes anymore. Now, I've been to Africa, and trust me, you'd much rather deal with the road construction than deal with uh, roads that aren't up, up, kept up. There's a, a stretch of road from Accra in Ghana to Lomi in Togo. Uh, the road is 120 miles long, but it takes well over six hours to drive it, just because the road is so bad. It probably would have been better if they never paved it at all, uh, how badly it's kept up and how slowly you have to drive down it. God is at work in your life, Paul reminds us. And sometimes we don't like this. Sometimes we feel like God is getting in our way. We feel like God is slowing us down. We feel like God is diverting us from the path that, that we want to go on. We're sometimes annoyed about God working in our lives. But look at what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, what Paul reminds us in our text. That you may shine like lights in the world. That you may become blameless. That you may not only, not only be children of God, we are children of God for our baptism and through God's grace. We, we have that, that gift from God. 
So Paul says not only to be children of God, but that you'll actually look like children of God to other people. God's power is at work in your life. He wants to do, he has done great things for you in Christ Jesus. He wants to do even more great things for you. And so instead of complaining about God's will, well, we should be grateful. We should be rejoicing. This is, that, that is where this working out of salvation begins. That Paul is trying to work out your salvation. And it begins here with God's power at work in your life. The Greek word there is energy, from which we get the, the English word energy, right? Uh, and God's energy is energizing your life through his grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says you're like a vacuum. Uh, probably haven't often compared your vacuum. Probably not something that uh, your husband tells you when he, he wants to tell you how much he appreciates you. You're like a vacuum, right? But Paul is saying you're like a vacuum. When you're unplugged, you just sit there. You're useless. You're not doing anything. But when you're plugged, when God is at work in your life, when his energy is at work in your life, well, that energy fills you, well, you can accomplish things in your life. God's power fills our life. His grace pours in Christ Jesus so that he can do, he has done great things, and he can do even more great things as well. Now, Paul goes on. He gives us some very concrete steps to this idea of working out our salvation in these next verses. And we're going to see the first one uh, in verse 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So what does it take uh, to work out to use God's grace uh, in our life. The first thing that Paul tells us, the first step here is, what does he say? Well, stop complaining and disputing and arguing. And it's really kind of amazing the description Paul gives here. When you start to think about it, he gives us a before and after picture. Okay? Before God's work is, is in, your, in your life, before when you complain and dispute a lot, you're crooked and perverse. But now if uh, God works in you and, and removes at least some of that sin. Well, you become blameless and harmless. That's a pretty big distinction there. That's a pretty big change. And, and Paul says, well, the change is this one simple thing. Stop complaining and stop arguing. I think we all know the ultimate example of this uh, from Scripture Moses and David, of course, were great men of faith. Uh, they probably did a lot less complaining and arguing than we do, but you find even examples of them complaining in Scripture. The ultimate example of this, of course, is Joseph, who had more to complain about than anyone else, certainly a lot more to complain about than us, and yet, you never hear a word of complaint from him, do you? But instead, he trusts we go back to, what is it? It goes back to what we heard in the last verse. He trusts that grace of God that is at work in his life. And he says, well, why should I complain about all this stuff that's happening to me? Why should I sit and argue uh, about how this is unfair? The grace of God is at work in my life. So we do. Well, why should I complain uh, about the fact that, well, both my cars are broken? Well, I have something much better than that. I have the grace of God in my life. And I can trust 
that God is going to work for good that he's going to provide. I don't, I don't need to sit around and complain about it. He has already partially provided through, again, my generous neighbors, the Lillows. Or we have to have four or five. Four or five, I know. I didn't mean to mention this many times in my sermon, but I started doing it and it just keeps coming up, right? Uh, and Joseph shows that in his life. Right? He, he doesn't need to complain or argue or worry because he knows that God is at work to bring about the best, to bring about his good. And that, that good, that work all things for good, that good that Joseph worked out in his life, it's not really about, about Joseph becoming uh, the second greatest in Egypt. I mean, that happened, that's great for, for Joseph. But it's really about something far greater than that, isn't it? The good that God worked through Joseph is, is far beyond that. He brought his, the, the Israelites, Jacob and his sons, down to Egypt. And there he formed them into a nation and then eventually brought them back. He, it was part of his plan to establish the nation of Israel and through those people to bring forth the Christ. That's the, the good that God ultimately worked through all this trouble and tribulation that Joseph had to endure. And so he doesn't, he doesn't complain, but he trusts that grace of God. Well, God's doing great things in my life. Even if I don't understand how this is for my good, I'm not going to sit around and complain about it. But I'm going to look to God and His forgiveness and rejoice in that. So we continue with verse 16. Holding fast. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So here Paul says, here's the second thing, the second important thing, the working out that salvation, making use of it in your life. Hold fast the word of life. This is more important uh, than the first thing we mentioned too, isn't it? Because there were, here we're talking about the means of grace, the means by which God fills your life with that energy and especially with that forgiveness of sin. The means by which God forgives you when you forget what Paul said in the last verse and you do start complaining and arguing. That word of life, uh, that gospel, both in, in his word and in his sacraments, which fills you with his forgiveness and strengthens your faith uh, so that you can stop complaining. And notice Paul says this here, this is what's going to cause me to rejoice when, I, when I'm done with my task in this life, when I run my race. The thing that will cause me to rejoice isn't so much how well you behave, how well you listen to the last verse, but that you held fast that word, that word that I gave you, that was given to me by Christ, that you rejoiced in, that you didn't put it in your basement, but you used it in your daily life. Work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Most of you here are, uh, know your way around heavy equipment more so than probably your average person in the United States. And so you're well aware, probably all of you are well aware, the most important thing, the most important rule when it comes to any kind of uh, powerful equipment is, is what? This is not a toy, right? You don't mess around, you don't fool around uh, with tractors. You don't play chicken with a steamroller, right? You don't uh, dance on top of a combine, especially if it's running. That would just be foolish. You don't stick your hand under a mower when it's running. Uh, even when it's off, you have to be careful about sticking your hand into those blades. 
Uh, powerful equipment is something that needs to be respected and treated with caution. It can do great things. Uh, those tractors, those mowers, uh, all the, the, the big machines that we have can do great things, wonderful things. You have a picture of one on the front of your wallet. But they need to be treated with, with respect. And Paul says that we're saying more so, more so. God's grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. God's power that has worked in your life. God has done great things for you, uh, saved you, delivered you from the power of death through His Son, Jesus Christ, and continuing to do great things for you, to, to work in your life. But that, that power of God, that grace of God, which you, re you receive here in His Word, you receive every time you come to His Word, every time you come to church, that needs to be treated with fear and, and trembling. It's not something to take lightly. It's not something to despise. And again, we, we saw that in our gospel lesson. Uh, those who, who despise that calling of God, that invitation to the wedding feast, and God's reaction to them. Uh, we saw that again last week. Uh, that rock of Christ, uh, those who upon whom it falls, will crush them to death. It's not something to despise and lay aside and forget about and treat lightly. This is the power of God. And it has and will do great things for you. Most importantly, making you children of God and forgiving your sins. But it needs to be treated with fear and trembling. And it needs to be used in your life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ.